There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look, then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, friends. Welcome back to WCN-TV for today. This is Tuesday, uh, December 21st, 2021. I'm your host, Rob Pugh, and we're coming to you live today at a special time. It's actually 2 o'clock Central Time where I am. We will be back at our regular time, 5 p.m. Central Time next week. This is the week before Christmas, and I hope you're all prepared and ready to have a, uh, a blessed time with your Uh, family and loved ones this Christmas as we remember and celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today's show is one that I've been looking forward to for a long time. We have some real American heroes with us today. Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North is back with us again, uh, along with another Marine, uh, Jamie Walden, uh, another real American hero. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Great to be back with you, brother. Thank you, sir. Um, You know, I've been wanting to connect these two for quite a long time, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this show. For most of our regular viewers, Colonel North and Jamie really don't need much of an introduction. Um, But let's let's throw uh, uh, Oliver's photo up on the screen there, and I'm going to just give you a brief uh, background. Oliver North is a combat decorated U.S. Marine, number one best-selling author, founder of a small business, and holder of three U.S. patents. For 17 years, he was a syndicated columnist and host of war stories on Fox News Channel. He served as the 66th president of the NRA. Uh, He graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy in 1968 and served 22 years as a U.S. Marine. His awards for service in combat include the Silver Star, the Bronze Star for Valor, and two Purple Hearts for Wounds in Action. From 1983 to 86, he served as counterterrorism coordinator on the National Security Council staff. He helped plan the rescue of U.S. students on Grenada, the liberation of American hostages, the capture of the Achille Laurel hijackers, and the raid on Muammar Gaddafi. Muammar Gaddafi's terror bases, after which he was targeted um, by Abu Nidal's Islamic Jihad for assassination. He now hosts the program Real American Heroes, which can be found at OliverNorth.com and on Recoil TV. He's also the co-founder of Freedom Alliance. That's an organization serving wounded U.S. military personnel and their families. He's widely acclaimed for award-winning Fox News coverage of more than 60 U.S. units in combat and his Freedom Alliance Hero College scholarships for children of service members killed or permanently disabled in the line of duty. Yet, he says his greatest achievement is being the God-fearing husband of one, father of four, and grandfather of 18 grandchildren. Colonel North and his wife, Betsy, live in Virginia, and they just recently celebrated their 53rd wedding anniversary. His newest book is called We Didn't Fight for Socialism. There it is, and uh, we're going to be talking about that and the topic of socialism in a little more detail uh, shortly. 
Uh, also going to be sharing some testimonies today. But first, uh, let me also tell you a little bit about our other guest, Jamie Walden. Jamie's Marine Corps career was pivotal in his development, both as a leader and what would later be refined into unfettered zeal for the kingdom of God. Intensive training across a wide spectrum of disciplines served to equip Jamie and his unit to achieve overwhelming victory on the march to Baghdad during Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2003. After leaving the Marine Corps, Jamie obtained a double major in law enforcement and history. So he and Colonel North have quite a bit in common. He has also served as a police officer, paramedic, firefighter, and a missionary. He returned to Iraq in 2014 to rescue and serve the Christians who were suffering under the savage campaign of ISIS, and he has a tremendous testimony to share with us all today. So, Jamie, Colonel North, it's great to have you both with us again. Thank you so much for being here. Great to be back with you, Rob. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us on, Rob. You know, I, I struggle a little bit how we would actually put this whole thing together because we both want to give you both uh, <laughs> time here on the show. Um, but let's start off with Colonel North and tell us a little bit about your book, We Didn't Fight for Socialism. This is America's Veterans Speaking Out, and um, I believe it's it's in its second printing now, isn't it? It's actually in its third printing, yeah. We're third printing. I'm behind the times here. No, I got a... I got an old book. <laughs> so. Well, you got a first edition, though. See? There you go. There you go. So it, it's all about those who served, not just in this war, but, of course, going all the way back to, in some cases, the Korean War. These are 500 veterans, all of whom served their country, most of whom served in combat. All of them have committed themselves to a better future for our nation, and they're deeply concerned by what they're seeing. You know, for the very first time, I'm talking to friends of mine, and David Getch, who my co-authored the book with me, another Marine, mm -hmm. uh, talk to these guys regularly. And when you start hearing guys who serve with us say, I'm not going to recommend that my son or my daughter get in the armed forces, you know you've got a problem. Because the legacy appointments to the service academies, the legacy recruitments, those who came into the service like I did. My dad was a soldier in the United States Army during World War II. He's the first hero I ever met. And because there are so many of us, and all my brothers served, different branches of the armed forces, but we served because we knew and respected people who had served. And those legacy appointments and commissions and enlistments in our armed forces are crucial. And here's why. We have an all-volunteer military. Since 1973, no one's been drafted. Everybody thought there was going to be a catastrophe. But because there were so many well, the armed forces, 16 and a half million, we're serving the armed forces in World War II, that greatest generation, as, as Tom Brokaw called them. They, had the leg, they, they were the ones that we looked up to. And, of course, the military, by the time I was, you know, raised my right hand for the first time in 1961, were, the United States Marine Corps was less than 100,000 troops. Well, today we've got about 1.5 million youngsters serving in our armed forces, active duty and reserves, and, and obviously the, that crucial factor and keeping this military good is not just combat effectiveness learned in combat, but that legacy appointment, that legacy enlistment that comes in because they want to serve their country. They're now seeing people, because those are the ones we interviewed, those 500 that we interviewed for this book, were saying, I don't want my kids to have anything to do with it. In large part, it's the socialism that has afflicted it and turned our military from, from war fighters and warriors into social justice you know, wonky people. Yeah. It's absolutely wrong. Yeah. Um, I did uh, I did have a, a short video. It's less than two minutes, um, but this, this will illustrate kind of what we're talking about uh, just with our young people in general, especially in the college uh, campuses. So why don't we take a look at that quickly and then we'll move on. College students have become far more vocal in their support for socialism, partly because the government has put them so deeply in debt with student loans. But it turns out that making everything free is expensive. It raises the question of who's going to pay for it all. Kevin Phillips of Campus Reform visited a campus recently to get that question answered. Here's part of what he found. I feel like everyone should have, like, um, free um, education and health care. How are we going to pay for those? Oh, God. I mean... 
Us. Us, you I know. guess. Yeah. Who in your mind should pay for all of the free things? All of the free things? Well, some of it should come from taxes, but the government should pay for it. But the government is funded by taxes. Yeah. I don't know where the money would come from, but they can figure it out. Okay. <laughs> the people with a good idea and a good reason to spend their tax money wouldn't mind actually paying more taxes. Okay, but Phillips joins us tonight. They can figure it out. That seemed to sum up a lot of the responses you got. That is exactly what happened. These were all people in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's district, I might add. Uh, and I think it's, it's easy to laugh along and get caught up in seeing how funny it is, but it's ultimately not a laughing matter uh, at just how popular socialism has become. Millennials, who are the most likely to support it, are now the largest voting bloc in America. And millions of them are graduating college every year with a warped perception of reality. I think that's where this starts is college campuses. I've been on about 50 college campuses in the past year with the Leadership Institute's campus reform. They all have one thing in common, and that's that socialism is viewed as highbrow. It's viewed as compassionate. And if you dare support capitalism or free markets, you're evil. You don't care about poor people. And I think the left is winning the messaging battle right now by teaching people that socialism is tolerant. And it's, it's not actually in line with what history has shown as socialism really is. Yeah. Well, this is what the finance economy has brought us. Kevin Phillips, thanks for that report. Great to see you. So, Colonel, you know, I, it seems like our young people are really being brainwashed. Um, but what is the appeal to some people? I, I mean, we, we have examples of, of socialism in the world going on right now. We don't see Americans flooding to uh, Venezuela, even these college students would never want to live there and yet uh, they've been so brainwashed in you know from kindergarten on up especially in the college campuses um, what what is the what is the appeal well the appeal is other than the free stuff well that's it I mean <laughs> somebody else is going to pay for it and Rob that's always been the call what we're now finding is the, the Marxist Marxist divide and conquer theories no longer apply simply to to where you are in the economic strata. Now it's being done by race. That's what this whole thing with critical race theory being taught in our military is all about today. It's a, a direct threat to the readiness of the armed forces. Ask Jamie. He's been a part of that. The leadership at the top level of our military today is dangerous in that they're dividing us against one another, not based on economic strata, because it's all going to be free anyway, but by the color of your skin. And that's absolutely wrong. It shouldn't be. When someone says, I've got your back, I don't care what color that guy is. If he's mm -hmm. a United States Marine or a Ranger or a special operator, I know I'm safe. The bottom line of it is that's going to disappear as long as people start, oh, I can't trust that person because he's white. or I can't trust that person because he's brown or that person's of Asian descent. Dividing people up against one another is not the way to succeed in the armed forces of the United States. Am I right, Jamie? Yeah, absolutely, Colonel. And, and again, it's it's good to meet you, Semper Fi, sir. Thank you so much for the legacy that you and the other warrior combat veterans left for us and our generation to carry out our mission set. I'm very grateful for uh, for just that warrior culture that you allowed us to inherit in the Marine Corps infantry. And that's exactly what we're speaking to right now is this reality that <clears throat> the last bastion of the ethos and of the codes of conduct and of the character of an authentic warrior class citizenry, which is oftentimes uh, exemplified in the Marine Corps infantry and other combat arms, is under strategic attack right now by the um, communist and the socialist through the critical race theory and all these other things because it absolutely must be eroded before this implementation of the great reset from the from the economic side of the house all the way to the political side and the geostrategic side. So it's all coming into the sphere of influence right now in real time. And that's why specifically being targeted is the the masculinity of an ethos born warrior culture, which can only be found in an all volunteer force in the United States military of men and women who willingly choose to go all in selflessly, even though they may not understand it at the time, right? That the altruisms grow as you grow in the military, right? As you start learning your history and your legacy and your, and your battle streamers and your codes of conduct and all those have gone before you, right? Cloud of witnesses. There's a lot of biblical overtones in here, right? That those that have gone before us and 
selflessly laid down their life and that mutually assured degree of sacrifice that is found only in an authentic camaraderie based brotherhood type of culture. All these things are under strategic attack right now, because if you can erode that, then you have the whole nation. And I, I'm in total agreement with uh, Colonel North that the infiltrators at the top level, you know, this goes this goes back 60, 70 years, Petrostokia deception, right? And this long-term infiltration, the gray terror from the communists, you know, coming in through academia and through corporatism and through corporate espionage and all these different levels, but in particular, the academia to specifically erode the Judeo-Christian values of what makes America exceptional, which America has historically been exceptional, so that over the course of three generations, they no longer have to fire a shot, but we're compromised from the inside out, up to and including our uh, our, our academies, right? From Naval Academy, Air Force Academy yep. in particular, at West Point as well too, and down through the officer corps within the United States military to make way for an easy transition to the to the next foreseeable global power uh, homogeny that they're wanting to bring about. Well put, brother. Colonel, uh, in, in your book, just to kind of break this down a little bit, you talk about the four D's of socialism. Yeah. Could you kind of lay that out for us? Yeah. Let, me get, let, me, let me grab a copy of the book right here. Okay. <laughs> well, and, and I, I'm saying I know, it's been a while. No, no, I've got it right Sorry. here. Okay. Because the four D's are... Deceiving, distorting, dividing, and destroying. Very things that Jamie was just talking about. The kinds of things that make our military so effective is that sense of camaraderie and teamwork. It's the idea of selflessness instead of selfishness. It's the idea of I'm sacrificing on behalf of the American people, writing a free check, up to and including my life. And I took that oath to support and defend the Constitution, the same as Jamie did, First time I I made it all the way to Lance Corporal, buddy, in the reserves, and that's how I got my appointment to the Naval Academy. And, and when I look back on those times, that was in the turmoil of what was coming in the aftermath of, of the Vietnam War. And the Vietnam War ended badly. You think it was bad? Compare that. It was better than than what we ended this last war in Afghanistan in a way. And that's the leadership of this country doing that, leaving Americans behind. We leave no one on the battlefield. The last ones killed in this war were U.S. Marines, 13 of them. When you look at those kinds of sacrifices and you say to the American people, how come that's not on the mainstream media more than a few minutes? It's because selflessness doesn't matter to the mainstream media. It doesn't matter at the top of corporations. And it sure as the devil doesn't matter at the top of the Pentagon. The idea of selflessness is Judaic. It's, it, it is part of the whole process of Jesus becoming who he is from that birthday that birthplace in Bethlehem, all the way through the sacrifice on the cross, and eventually the resurrection from the dead three days later. All of that is, is an example of selflessness. And Jesus, on the Thursday night before he's about to be tortured to death and hung on a cross, right? Jesus Christ does what? He takes off his, he takes off his tunic, he wraps a towel around himself, and takes a pan of water and washes his disciples' feet, Right? That's an act normally performed by a servant or even a slave. And Jesus, Peter says, I'm not going to do that. He says, oh, no, Peter, unless you let me do this to you, you won't know how to do it to others. And so Peter relents. The whole idea of service in the United States Marine Corps was one of selflessness. The guy who led me to the Lord set an example of being the kind of leader that I wanted to become. And if it hadn't been for him, I probably would never have read that good book from Genesis all the way through Revelations. When I when I first picked up the Bible to read it, I was on the USS Austin on my way to deploy to the Mediterranean as part of a, the battalion landing team that was going to be the Marine Expeditionary Unit, one of the most dangerous missions up until the war that we had. It was 24th Marine Expeditionary Unit rescued Scott O'Grady when he was shot down over Kosovo. It's the kind of unit that got blown up, 24th Marine Expeditionary Unit, blown up in Beirut, our sister battalion. Those are the, we lost 11 Marines in our deployment. If I didn't have that role model standing before me of not just saying, I want you to do this, but the kind of person that says, I'm not going to ask you or direct you or talk, tell you to do something that I can't do or I won't do. That's the kind of selfless leader we all want. You lead by example of the behavior that you want from others. That's why I'm still alive, because my Marines kept me alive 
when I was being shot at. My Marines kept me alive when I was wounded. Those are the kinds of people that, that quite frankly, that we joined the Marine Corps for. And, and my, my sense is they've forgotten that at the top of the pyramid in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I would even add to that, um, Colonel, it's it, it's even so much more nefarious than the reality that they've forgotten about it. It's that there's a deliberate reductionist worldview that's occurring because it truly is when you have a a culture, in particular warrior cultures that are leading from the front, right, which we know is one of the number one leadership attributes is to set the example. When you have a culture that's based on selfless sacrifice and on these altruistic um, identity markers of character, honor, integrity, courage, commitment, right? These, these awesome ethos. When you have a culture founded on that, it's unstoppable, which is why communism must, must eradicate Judeo-Christian values wherever it wherever rears its ugly head. Because intrinsic to Judeo-Christian values is we have our warrior king, our commander in chief, the captain of our salvation, Christ Jesus, who did lead from the front, right? He, the, the son of man was made manifest for this reason, that he might destroy the works of the evil one, yet he is love itself and love was made manifest manifest and selfless sacrifice. And in this great strategic faint maneuver and this tactical decapitation out from selfless love, the true and better warrior Christ Jesus took the fight right to the enemy HQ, right? And Sheol, faint maneuver of the cross. They thought they had him, right? He snatches back up the keys of death and grave from Sheol, has the power to take back up his own life again. And now leading from the front has set the example as you've seen me do, do also. You lay down your lives for one another. You have this mutually assured degree of sacrifice for one another. You serve no God, but the Lord God Almighty. Government is not your God. Follow me. Watch me. Do as I have done. Do even greater things than these things. You call me master and rabbi. Good, because that's what I am. So blessed is the one who does exactly what I've done. And on and on it goes. And so when you have a culture, which historically America has, that champions Judeo-Christian values, Christ Jesus values, Christocentric values. When you have a culture that's centered on those, it's unstoppable. So through reductionism and it and an full-on insurgent onslaught against what is truth and what is light and what is life, they have been able to erode even these basic concepts to where we get into these biblically prophetic times that people will be narcissists. They will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Each man will do what's right in his own eyes. They'll always be learning, but never able to come to an understanding of the truth. They'll allow the way of truth to come into disrepute. And really what we have now is this this uh, love of self culture, even within the upper echelons of the United States military, where it's I'm going to get mine, simper I, screw the other guy, watch what happens next. And all the while, the communist infiltrators, right, backed by spiritual wickedness in high places, are laughing and eating their lunch as they watch this go down. So then the question begs itself is, how do you reinvigorate and fan back into flame the spirit of this nation through biblical Christian values unto valorous men who arise and stand in, in the gap on uh, against this evil. And they actually stand for the honor and the courage and the commitment that so many of us in the armed forces have been able to bear witness to, that stand for selfless sacrifice, that are willing to be uh, activists in their own right and, 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 and are, are engaged politically. They're engaged culturally. More important than anything, they're engaged in their own homes with their wives and their children, leading them from the front, teaching them the great and awesome deeds of the Lord so that they will not be stiff-necked and rebellious like their forefathers, but will learn to fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. What, like, how do we re-engage and reinvigorate a generation of, of limp-wristed wieners, for lack of a better word, and say, this is what authentic manhood looks like and it is good, and it is immovable, and it is steadfast and enduring, and actually herein lies valor. How do, how do we even get into that? Well, I'll tell you what, first of all, Jamie, it would have been a great privilege to have been able to serve with you. Uh, the fact that you would be back out there so many times, even after you've taken off the uniform, is proof that you are that kind of warrior. You know, I, I'm, I'm looking at this season that we're in right now. 
I'm looking at all the concerns. You know, I, I worked look 17 years for Fox News. Fox News paid me a lot more to get shot at than the Marine Corps did. But I did get to keep company with heroes, which is why I made all those embeds out there. I love keeping company with heroes. Heroes like you are, are, are grounded in their faith. And they're examples of what a faithful man should be, which is why I look at this season with my 18 grandkids. And I say, and there's people running all over the place. You see them out in the, at the gas station. I'm filling up, and it's more than I paid for gas probably in 15 or 20 years. And I look at that, and they're complaining about it. I'm saying, yeah, there's reason to complain. But fear not, because those words are the beginning of, right at the very beginning of chapter 2 of Luke's, verses 10 and 11, I think it is. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It will be for all people. For unto you today is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, if we can set an example to those with whom we come in contact, our families, outside our families, even with the midst of COVID, when I get on an airplane, everybody's everybody's wearing a mask. You don't really get to see who's really underneath it until you open up and say, hmm, do you, do, do you believe this? I, it doesn't bother me anymore. At 78, all the filters are off. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who's, who's sitting there working on a sermon I'm about to give in a church. On, I'm on an airplane, and the woman across the aisle looks at me and says, you don't believe that crap, do you? And I said, excuse me? She said, wow. that, the stuff that's in that book. I said, let me just ask you this. What do you do? She said, I have a PhD. I said, really? What do you do? She gives me the name of the college. She teaches philosophy. I said, terrific. You a PhD. You must be really smart. I live on a farm, okay? We've got cows, we've got horses, and we've got deer running all over the place. Do you know what they eat? And she said, no, what? I said, grass. Grass. But you were just talking about crap a minute ago. If the, if the cow poops, it's a big, it's a, it's a mud pie, right? If the, if the horse poops, it's a golf ball. And if the deer poops, it's a marble. Why are they different? I said, I don't know. I said, neither do I, but you told me this was crap. Maybe you ought to read the stuff that's in this book instead of whatever you're reading in your philosophy book. The filters are off, brother, and I'm hoping that sometimes when people say that, I've had people give me notes afterwards say, I I think you did a wonderful thing. That was really good. This week's op-ed out by Creators Syndicate. How about that, right? And that's what this holiday is supposed to be all about. What we're supposed to be show, showing people isn't how much bigger presence you can give someone. It's the salvation that comes with Easter would never have happened if it hadn't been for Bethlehem and a, and a, and a cradle. From, from, by the way, two parents who are being despised by their relatives because they were not married and she was having a baby. That's why they were sleeping out, outdoors in a manger in a, in a stable instead of inside where the rest of his family and some of her family were already very comfortable even though it was the midst of a great census being ordered by Caesar. Who, by the way, Caesar, what is the crime for which Jesus Christ is murdered? He was sentenced to death because he proclaimed himself to be king of the Jews. And we all know there's only one king of the Jews. He's in Rome and he's a ruler. Today, we've gone, we've kind of got a long ways in that direction with what we've done in our country, giving up our freedoms, giving up our liberties, and giving up our responsibilities to one another. Colonel, you have, uh, you know, in in preparing your book, you, you interviewed, you said 500 veterans. What is their impression of the current uh, occupant of the White House? Well, look, I, you know, I never thought that I'd see a president as bad as the only graduate of my alma mater to make it to the White House. Jimmy Carter. I didn't think I'd ever see that as bad again. Well, I've now seen it twice since then. The, yeah. the, the Obama, Biden, and now the Biden. Yeah, well, don't, right. don't forget about Bill Clinton. We were actually ready to move to Canada during those years. We didn't think it could get any worse. One of, one Little of, bit, my, I know. One of my finest Marines was came from Canada because his father, who ran a great big lumbering operation, Presque Isle, Maine, Right across Presque Isle is two countries, Maine and, and, and the state of Maine, USA, and in Canada. And his dad ran a great big lumbering operation up there. And, and when uh, Pierre graduated from high school, he said, you know, I, I'm looking for a job, Dad. He says, I'm not going to pay you the cheap money I'm paying these draft dodgers that have come up to Canada. Go across the border and find yourself a good job because I don't have to raise my pages to cover you. 
He walks mm-hmm. across the border and there's a U.S. Marine recruiter at the post office. And, and he walks up to him and he says, so what do you do? He says, I'm a U.S. Marine and you are Canadian. Yes. And that's why we called him Frenchie. Right. And so Frenchie became one of the most decorated soldiers, de- decorated Marines in my unit in the Kilo Company, 3rd Battalion, 3rd Marines and died of, of Agent Orange inflicted cancer. Mm-hmm. I, I look at that kind of person and say, I, I'd, I'd love to keep company with Jamie. I mean, he's just shown us the kind of person who volunteers to serve and follow the Lord. I mean, you can't ask for more than that, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie, are you ready to tell us your testimony about your trip in 2014? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, just real quick, as as I'm as I'm listening to you talk, Colonel and and Rob, as and listening to you guys dialogue, I keep thinking about, you know, the the biblical precedent set by Christ Jesus when He commands us to count the costs. You know, and it makes me think all the time of the, you know, different naval special war fighters. You know, the SEALs and the teams and other guys like that. How they they have the bell right when you're out there training on Coronado and you're going through uh, your initial bud selection and all these things and. And the, and the command goes out, you know, from those commanders in those uh, different top tier units that are highly selective. And they give the command over and over and over again, count the cost, gents. And if you've counted the cost and you found it to be high, too high, go ring the bell. And I think about how Christ Jesus has set that example for his followers as well, too. He says, man, you better count the cost about being all in for me. If you're not willing to hate father, mother, brother, sister, to forsake it all for my sake, you cannot be my disciples. You know, it reminds me of Gideon where God's speaking to Gideon. And and he says, listen, if there's anybody who's fearful or faint hearted, if there's anybody who's double minded or timorous, tell them to go home. Get off the battlefield. They have no business being out here because they may make their brother's hearts melt. He says, count the cost. I've never been interested in the quantity of men, only ever the quality of men's hearts. And we too in this generation have this biblical mandate, especially as the redeemed warrior class of the Lord, to truly count the cost about being all in for Christ Jesus. He withheld nothing for from us. He forsake it all. Even when we were his enemies, he withheld nothing from us. How could we not then in response being undone by the bad news and therefore even more so undone by the good news, bring the whole tithe of our lives into the storehouse of Lord God Almighty. Watch what he'll do it then say, Lord, take my life. It's not mine. He's bought and paid for something imperishable, incorruptible, the blood of the son, Christ Jesus. And Lord, show me what you would have me do with this life. It's not mine. I do not fear my life so much as I'm afraid to lose it because it is hidden in Christ. Nobody can ever take it from me. To have this this concept of truly selfless sacrifice born out from an identity in Christ alone, that we would actually arise to our challenge in this generation that's desperate for men and women who know their God to stand up and be strong in the Lord and go forth and do daring feats of valor back unto the Lord, Daniel eleven thirty two. 32, right? So I just keep thinking about that as, as Colonel North was talking is, is that we, we have a desperate need in this generation of those who have counted the cost. And they say it's nothing worth compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in Christ Jesus. I've counted the cost. It's not, it's not, it's not even worth counting compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. All right. I digress. Sorry, Rob. You know how that happens. A yep, lot. So, yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, you have the Bradley Dean gene. So <laughs> yeah. private joke. Yeah. I get, I get a little fire hosey sometimes. So, um, yeah, you wanted me to share in 2014. So, uh, 2014, I had, I had been out of the Marine Corps for a little while. You know, I was a sergeant Marine Corps infantry at one seven weapons company out of, out of two nine and spent some time all around the country doing every school. You can imagine jungle warfare, mountain warfare. I was a salt climber for the Marine Corps, did all kinds of stuff like that. I was originally enrolled in Naval Academy, uh, decided I want to just sleep with my head in the mud. I uh, got out of the Marine Corps. I had a g- really good run in the Marine Corps. Ended up being a platoon sergeant in a in a combat platoon, 
and um, went to college, worked with the U.S. Marshals for a little while, was going to one of the three-letter agencies, was always my goal till the Lord got a hold of me when I was about 25 is when I surrendered my life to the Lord. And he started mixing everything up and it was no longer my plans anymore. Uh, became a street cop for a little while, uh, didn't like it, went went into tactical EMS doing uh, tactical medic work stuff, paramedic, and then ended up being a firefighter paramedic for a while before uh, I before the Lord shook my whole paradigm. And what it was was in 2014 is sitting here day after day watching ISIS march our brothers and sisters out in the Levant, right? Iraq and Syria and the Levant and Kurdistan area and these orange junt soups and sawing their heads off with what looks like dull K-bars and week after week after week watching that. And I was just undone with imprecatory prayers, just filled constantly like, oh God, arise and scatter your enemies. Oh Lord, do not let your name be mocked. Lord, stand on behalf of my brothers and sisters. And and one day coming off duty, you know, you're awake for 24 hours at a time on, uh, on a fire department and I'm coming off duty and I'm I'm just, I'm just lamenting. I'm crying out, God, you have to do something. Raise up somebody, anybody, a godly man or woman to go stand on in, in the gap on behalf of our brothers and sisters and fight for righteousness sake against this great evil. And, and as I'm praying that literally physically on my knees, praying that after I came off duty, all I hear was, uh, the Holy spirit clear, clear as day say, well, and, and you can imagine, I was like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I didn't mean me. I didn't mean me, Lord. Like, I've been out of the game for a long time. I got a wife and three kids now. And, and man, I haven't been I haven't been breaching doors for a long time. And, and the Holy Spirit just spoke very clearly. Have I ever called those with nothing to lose, son? I only call those with everything to lose. And I wept because I couldn't deny what the Lord was saying. And I knew I knew that. I had told him, take my whole life, just make me a righteous man. Little did I know all the things along the way that he would require me. So, you know, praying through it, I said, Lord, if if, uh, if this is from you, then you'll put it in my wife's heart because uh, it can't be out from my flesh just because I got a pound of flesh I want to get from this CIA-backed uh, cleansing of the Levant of Christianity. Uh, that's a mouthful that I just snuck in there, by the way. Yep, I, and I caught so, that. And, <laughs> yeah, so uh, my wife uh, came to me weeping later on that day and said, I feel like you're supposed to go back to Iraq. So there it was. And uh, within about six days, I flew in on a commercial airplane uh, by myself and met up with one other Marine who I'd never met before. He's a sergeant in the infantry as well, too, and a believer. And we met in the last open airport in Erbil, northern Iraq, and, and said, hey, brother, where's, nice to meet you. Good to meet you. We're the front lines. So uh, we proceeded to, to purchase some, some firearms out of the trunk of a car from a bunch of Muslims. Not the best decision I've ever made in life. And we started asking them where the Christian communities were. And over the course of several days, we worked our ways to the front lines with the Peshmerga, where we're we thought we were going to just do what we knew to do in the natural to affect some change on the battlefield for the sake of the Christians and start liberating cities. Uh, little did we know that the Lord had other plans. And uh, uh, you can, as you can imagine, we drew some attention. This was before the international all skate of video game armchair warriors started running over to Syria to try to get some action. Uh, we were the only ones in the area. All the NGOs were gone. Uh, any private operating companies were gone. Private military companies were gone. So we drew a lot of attention. I'll, I'll try to speed it up. We ended up getting taken from uh, field level commander to the next higher commander to the next higher commander to the next higher commander to over the course of about three days, we were getting stuffed in SUVs and eventually taken to what would be the White House of Iraqi Kurdistan. Uh, and there we we met with uh, the vice president of Kurdistan. And when we were brought before him in this entourage of great leaders, and they were very, very stoic Kurdish men, they said, they said through an interpreter, why are you two here? And we looked at one another. And if you can imagine, I was a mouthpiece. And uh, and I looked at this this vice president and his cabinet was like the head of their DOD and the head of their uh, intelligence apparatus, the head of all these different things, this entourage of leaders in Kurdistan. They said, why are you two here? And, uh, and I looked at him and I said, sir, 
uh, I'm here in the name of Jesus Christ because the love of Christ compels me to fight against this great wickedness that's come against your nation and a fight for my brothers and sisters. And I said, so you're benefactors of our love for Christ. That's why we're here. And we had no idea what that was going to bring about, right? This is, it's still a Muslim, my, minority Muslim sect in Kurdistan. And uh, you see this, the vice president look up and down his entourage and he speaks to the interpreter and the interpreter looks at me and smiles. And I'm like, great, what do you say? Here we go. You know, we're going to end up in a Kurdish prison or something. And he said, he said, as most amazing things I've ever heard, he said, maybe it's time this nation worships this Jesus as well, too. And he said, what do you guys need? I can't believe you're here. If you're here when nobody else is, what do you need? Do you need helicopters? Do you need SUVs? How can we assist you? So anyways, that began the next several weeks of working with the heads of state in Kurdistan, developing a, uh, a tactical training program, like a combat casualty tactical training program that we that ended up being implemented by the whole Kurdish Peshmerga forces and within weeks, we started retaking whole towns of 40 or 60,000 people alleviating the refugee crisis. So um, needless to say, I, the, the Lord did something radical over there. And the name of Jesus Christ is now being spoken, I hope, continually being spoken by the highest leaders in a land that historically has not known the name of Christ Jesus. So that's, uh, that's the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, yeah, that is amazing that is why I wanted the two of you to meet and and Colonel North you should consider having Jamie on your, your program Real American Heroes you can count on it yeah okay so we'll we'll, we'll connect you but uh, back back to your book here on uh, on socialism yeah. you know I don't I don't see a way to move forward unless we rectify what took place on November 3rd and on January 6th. You know, we, we still have uh, political prisoners being held in D.C. jail. Um, well, I, look, at, I, I think one of the things that's happening, and, and we just kind of set the example for how to do it here in Virginia uh, just a little over a month ago, uh, we've elected a man who's a believer, I'm ashamed of the fact that he's a follower of Jesus Christ. He's, I'm sitting in my office at Dulles, right near Dulles Airport. He has sat right around that table. Uh, he has hunted with us. He's gone. Our, our group of guys that we meet with every Tuesday, we call ourselves God and Guns because we hunt. Four of us were former Marines, or I guess our Marines, but we're all kind of geezers at this point. But everybody that's in this little group has reached out and brought others into it. And so we stick to the basic eight that we've always had. Some come, some go, some live, some die, uh, some move away. Uh, but we set the way to do this by electing the right kind of person. This time is the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the attorney general. My encouragement for people is don't just wait to, to run for you know president or governor. Get out there and, and get on, a, on a, a county board of education. Get out there and, and get a... In a, in a city board of supervisors. Those are the kinds of places where they began, the far left began to take over 25, 30 years ago. You know, the guys that are out there right now who are running the far left in this country, the guys who were burning their draft cards when I was getting shot at in Vietnam. Remember, I came in while there was still a draft. Mm -hmm. I watched that transition to an vo all-volunteer force and the, and the paranoia that existed about we're not going to be able to fill our ranks. And yet, we, this, this is what brought guys like Jamie and Dave Eubank, who's done many of the same kinds of things as Jamie has done, and brought them into the military in an all-volunteer force. We need to go out there and get more people like that and ensure that they don't become disheartened. One of my dearest friends, U.S. Marine engineer, EOD, both legs blown off in Vietnam, is an evangelist today. Traveling around with Tim Lee is an exciting adventure because He's got more things going on. He's almost as old as I am. In fact, he lost his legs the year before I got to Vietnam. And it's those kinds of people, the association you keep with people who live up to the standards that you have set for yourself and that you want for your children and your grandchildren. I, I could not do what I do if it weren't for the fact I don't want to be a bad example. And so 
two things are real. And I know we're running out of time here. Two things really important. Christmas this year is not just giving presents. And it never has been since we started having kids. So our prayer for our country at Christmas is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I want to show that to those kids. And when I'm finally done, I don't know, I I know where I'm going and I know where I'm going and why I'm going there. I just don't know when. But when I do go, there's a place for me at Arlington. And I want them, instead of putting all the medals and all that stuff on it, I want on the back of that to be, he showed us how to fight the good fight, how to finish the race, and how to keep the faith. That, of course, is the Marine Corps motto, summarized, Semper Fidelis, always faithful. That's not a slogan. It's a way of life. And, of course, that was from Paul's second letter to Timothy, trying to encourage Timothy to hang on in Ephesus because he's had it. He'd been defeated so many times. And Paul's trying to tell him, fight the good fight, finish the race, keep the faith. I hope my kids will show that I, I showed them how to do that in their lives. Amen. You know, there is a, uh, uh, we are not without hope. And, and there are more of us than there are on the left. Um, the problem is, one of the problems is we are not organized. Uh, we need to unify and we need to be organized. We don't have the benefit of the mainstream media every single local, national, mainstream media outlet pushing this leftist socialist propaganda. Um, and yet, as Christians, we, we tend to fight each other when we should be fighting and re- recognizing and fighting the enemy, which is, we all know it's a spiritual battle, but uh, it does play out in, this, in, in the physical realm. So, uh, we, we need to be unified. That's one of our biggest problems. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Yeah, yeah. So let's yeah, bring in. Uh, is, I, I think all the time that the knowing and understanding of the living hope out from which we operate is what what definitively distinguishes us from the world around us, from the unbelieving world, from the secular world around us is the hope. It's the hope of glory. The hope of resurrection is spoken through all throughout the old Testament, all the epistles, right. And all the gospels is constantly speaking to the hope, the hope, the hope. It was for the joy set before him that Christ endured the cross, right? He understood the glory that the father was going to bestow upon him. Just like for us, it's for the joy set before us that we endure all these things. We fight the good fight of the faith as you were saying, Colonel North, and and um, we endure all things patiently, knowing and understanding the hope of the glory of the resurrection that, that's going to come. And so when we're living out from that perspective with this eternal perspective and a kingdom mindset perspective, which is why it's so significant that we know and understand these attributes of a warrior culture and a warrior class that's centered on authentic love, not worldly love, not emotionally predatory love, but authentic love that's made man manifest and selfless sacrifice. That's what makes us so unstoppable and immovable in our generation. And again, we spoke to it earlier. It's never going to be about the quantity or the, 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 the quantity of men, but only ever the quality of men's hearts. It only takes a motivated few who are immovable in their identity in Christ that are going to rise and stand. Is it for us to serve you rather than God? If we were to serve you, we couldn't be servants of God, right? Like I get this perspective. So you say, what would you have me do to serve my generation well? And I challenge my kids that Colonel North, I mean, you don't know me or anything. I have, I have three, three little kids and and uh, all 12 and under. And I say, what are you going to do to subordinate yourself to the true and better commander in chief, the Lord God Almighty and the captain of your salvation, Christ Jesus, to carry out orders with obedience and diligence and 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 esteem and valor? What are you going to do to serve your generation well? Because you don't get to ride my shirt tails into the kingdom of heaven. You get to choose whether or not you want to willingly subordinate yourself to a good king and to a good 
commander and follow him wherever he leads. I want to serve my generation well. Colonel North, you've served your generation well. Rob, you're serving your generation well. And each man, each person to the man needs to make that choice. What would you have me do, Lord? I'll lay it all down for the cause of righteousness and justice and to walk humbly and to see your name and your excellencies be proclaimed in all the earth. And sometimes that looks like civic activism. Sometimes that looks like uh, writing and producing and publishing and, and making and speaking. And sometimes it's in the quietness of our lives that's totally subordinate that they see our good deeds and they glorify our Father in heaven. But I'll tell you what, this generation is languishing for real men, authentic men, valorous men whose hearts the Lord has touched to arise and stand up in this generation. Amen. Couldn't, couldn't have said that better myself. Um, we have a studio audience here. Any of you uh, would like to jump in? Now's, now's your chance. Uh, John Diamond? Uh, Neil? Anyone else? Yeah, I would, I would like to, uh, like to uh, I guess, shirt tail off of Colonel North's uh, comments about men. Uh, I know my wife and I in our marriage ministry, we uh, get a lot of premarriage, and we emphasize what the roles of the men and what the roles of the women are. And we hope that they take that and, and uh, build on that during their whole married life until God calls them home. But we always have to remember that we may not see the fruits of our labor in this life, but they may happen 200 years from now. And I think too many people look too grand. I know we need to pray big and we need to uh, expect big answers from the Lord, but we have to do those subtle little things that are going to have an effect 50 years from now, 100 years from now, two years from now. But Colonel North, thank you so much for uh, for talking about how men need to be men and how we can do it with our children and our grandchildren and anybody that we encounter. Like I say, my wife and I are very blessed that we we have a wonderful marriage ministry and we emphasize on how, what the roles of the person are. And if they learn that in the home, they can take that into society, into the community, and hopefully to achieve great status such as uh, Colonel North and Jamie Walden. Thank you. Well, I I get encouraged by seeing guys like Jamie who are, you know, literally a generation he's younger than any of any of my children and i i'm encouraged to hear him speak about the things that he's doing not just the words but the things that are doing i i've become a big believer in that that it's it's it, how did you learn to tie your shoes you learn to tie your shoes the same way christ washed the feet of his disciples he knelt down in front of them and someone showed you how to do that it wasn't done on a PowerPoint, wasn't done on a video. It was someone kneeling down and showing you how you could do it. And I kept doing that until you could tie your own shoes. And to me, that's that's my new mission in life. Marines always need a mission. So my mission is those 18 that are thankfully all back in Virginia now. We're all, they, they range in age from graduating from college here in a few months down to diapers. And so... Hmm. Lord willing, I got a few more years to take them out. I, one of the things that I love to do with our kids is, as I, I'm the only one who can give them this present. Betsy and I give them other presents. I give them on, a, on their 14th birthday. I give them a box, and on the box is a note. And the note it says, "If you learn to use everything in this box, you'll never go hungry, you'll never be lost, and you need fear nothing. And I will show you how." They open the box, and there's a copy of the Holy Bible. It's open to Proverbs. Just happens. I don't believe it quits. <laughs> Right, 31 Proverbs, 31 days and seven months of the year. Today's the, what, 20th or 19th, 21st? What is it? 21st. 21st. Start on 21. When you get back to 20, give me a book report. Read one a day. So you got a month. Second, I learned that a compass and a map sheet. The map sheet happens to be of the farm that I'm a kept man on for my wife's family. And it runs from the Appalachian Trail down to the Shenandoah River. And just like you, when you and I went through land nav, Jamie, there's there's cans welded to fence posts that are out in the boonies. And there's letters in them and a, and a note inside each one. And I show them how to shoot an azimuth. And I say, well, why? I said, because someday the GPS satellites up there won't be there because the communist Chinese are going to knock them all down. And you'll be the only one who knows the way to the grocery store. And the third thing that they find in there is a Model 870 20-gauge shotgun. And I will, the note on that part says, I will take you out and show you how to take it apart until you can do it blindfolded and show you how to clean it 
then I'll show you how to shoot it safely, and then I'll take you hunting with me. And I just happen to have God's best hunting dog on the planet Earth. Those kinds of things become memory makers for them. And, and hopefully they'll pass that on to their children. It's the kind of thing that once we've done it a few times around everybody, they, they now all expect it. And one of, and finally, one of the girls came to me. We had 11 boys, seven, seven girls came to me and said, you gave my brother one. Where's mine? So now I'm in the market for 20 gauge shotguns. <laughs> well, I wish you were my grandpa, uh, Colonel Mar. <laughs> so. well, Anyone else have some comments for us? Yeah, Colonel North and uh, Jamie, first, uh, as an Air Force veteran, I'd like to thank you for your service. I was in during the Cold War, so I tried to warn as many people about this Marxist takeover of the country many, many years ago. So I appreciate both of your services. And uh, uh, Colonel North, I, I work with Dr. Alan Keyes uh, yeah. every day, and I'd like to see about maybe getting you two together and getting you on his show, maybe get getting you on my show. I'll be in his studio uh, next week. So I'll talk to him about you yeah. and uh, everything else. Rob's, Rob's got all my contact points and I'm going to have to beg off here shortly because one of my grandchildren just showed up at the doorway and went, I, I, <laughs> the dog went out to play with her. Okay. Well, that's okay. We, we have about four minutes left, but uh, if you need to go, I understand. I, I, I just want to commend this book to you. Once again, if we can put that up on the screen, it, it's better than me holding it up for you. But um, this will give you everything you really need to know uh, regarding socialism, how we got to this point, and what we can do about it. So, uh, and uh, one thing that I, I, I do want to mention, you know, we're, we're, it was not our intent to denigrate our, our American soldiers and, and servicemen. Um, but there is a problem with the, uh, with the leadership. There's definitely a problem with the leadership. There are definitely some, uh, m mo most are very faithful uh, men and women serving their country. But there is, there's trouble at the, at the top. No doubt about it. I, I could not agree more. In fact, all of these guys would say the same thing. Yeah. There are some there are some general officers and admirals that have contributed to this book. But the bottom line of it is the very top of the pyramid is rotten, yeah. it's selfish. It is it has now become so politically oriented that it's frightening, and and it and it's driving good people out of the service. That's the frightening part of it. I mean, mm -hmm. we look at we have the brightest, best educated, best trained, led and equipped military force the world has ever seen. They can operate and maintain equipment nobody even dreamed about twenty five years ago. But the top of the pyramid today is rotten. It's rotten to the core. It's not the not just CORPS either, C-O-R-E. It's not just in, in military doctrine. It's in everything that they're doing. It's in their, their philosophical approach is to make them more woke. Well, it's yeah. time they woke up. Because Absolutely. Because the finest military that's ever existed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you can find... Uh, uh, myriad of resources at olivernorth.com um, we have uh, there are articles, podcasts uh, books, you, you, you can find everything you need, olivernorth.com that's not hard to remember folks and I commend that to you so and the Real, Real American Hero series, that's just a uh, they're, they're like uh, 10 to 15 minute segments aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Some, some of them are a little bit longer but it's a podcast and these are, these are folks that, you know, why do we have heroes? We have heroes to inspire us to be better than we otherwise would be. Right. Whether it's the Medal of Honor or the Carnegie Medal for Heroism, the recognition of a Boy Scout who's, you know, jumped into a frozen pond to save a kid who's fallen through the ice. All those kinds of things are heroes. They're heroic activities. And, and they're widely ignored by the so-called mainstream media today. Right. When I was a kid, boy's life had, in the back of every boy's life was a description of, of a Boy Scout, an Explorer Scout, or an Eagle Scout who had done something heroic. And, of course, all that's gone now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can find Jamie at omegadynamics.org. Let's, let's throw that website up there so folks can take a look. There you go. Let's, let's start at the top and scroll down. 
Jamie jumped in with both feet uh, a few months ago and and took over a camp in Colorado that needs a lot of a lot of work and a lot of renovation. Um, so he's he's uh, he's in the deep end end of the pool in uh, unfamiliar territory once again. So uh, pray for Jamie. But you can contribute uh, to uh, Jamie's ministry at his website and uh, and help build that that place. It's called. Uh, let me see if I remember the name of the. You've renamed it. It's the. Uh, Calico Buffalo Base Camp, right? Yeah, you got it. I got it. I got it one shot. Good. <laughs> so, any last words? God bless America. Pray for our country. Semper Thank Fidelis. You. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Semper Fidelis in the Lord is is how I always sign off. And, and it's true. We have something worth fighting for. Um, like we were talking about earlier, I would just challenge the listeners to count the cost. And uh, if you know and understand the reward and the hope that Colonel North was sp- speaking of earlier, the, the cost is nothing compared to the reward. So let's get Absolutely. in the fight while we have time. And thank God for Jesus on Christmas. Amen. Um, I want to invite all of you uh, viewers of our regular viewers and anyone else to tune in on Thursday. We have a, uh, a special uh, Christmas blessing for you. That will be on WCN TV on Thursday. Uh, that uh, I did with my wife and and our our good friend Leighton Howerton this this couple days ago. So that is Thursday at WCNTV.net. You can also find it on our Rumble page. And uh, thanks all for joining us, and we'll see you next week. God bless. Simplify.